This September, Welcome to the Northside U2 Fan Festival will be celebrating its fifth year. Now we know that right now the world is a very different place, but it is our hope and intention to provide the celebration that we will all need. And over the course of one weekend from the 25th to the 27th of September, Welcome to the Northside Festival intends to present the best U2 tribute bands around. The Joshua Tree, U2 Baby, Zuropa, and much more. By September, we will all need a holiday. If we can, we will see you there. For the latest up-to-date information, please visit facebook.com forward slash welcome to the Northside Dublin. Hi guys, just a quick update. We had our first ever Review 2 fan poll where we asked you to decide which albums you want us to cover in future on Tummel. The resounding victory went to the boss, Bruce Springsteen with Born to Run. We've got something special planned, we've got a special guest for that episode, so given the current circumstances, it might be quite a while before we actually get around to recording that. So I hope you bear with us, and please enjoy the episodes we've got planned in the coming weeks and months. Alright Johnny. Alright Tyler. You like you too, don't you? We oui, sure. Then you might like Random Access Memories by Daft Punk. So, as the strains of Get Lucky die away, it's time for another episode of Review 2's Tummel, the show in which Tyler and I put you two aside for a little bit and look at other albums that we think you might like if you're into U2. So this time, it's the French electronic duo's Tour de Force. It's Random Access Memories. And to start off with, there's not really, I've got to be honest, that many connections between the two bands. There are some, but certainly they are few and far between. Um, I think the justification for doing this, besides the fact that it's just a very interesting album, is the fact that it's a nice follow-on from Kraftwerk. And also, it's, I mean, for me personally, something that I would like you two to do a little bit more of. So in terms of connections, there is an awful remix of With or Without You, which I would not recommend listening to that, unless you just want to see how bad it is. That's fan-made though, isn't it? It is, yes. um, But it's awful, and it seems to have got quite a lot of hits. Do you want to talk us through the other connection that we've got, Tyler? Um, so the other connection uh, is is really Niall Rogers, uh, who is a huge collaborator with Daft Punk on Random Access Memories. Um, now Niall Rogers is is also involved with the Red Charity or the Red Organization. Now, I'm not sure exactly mm-hmm. what classification they've got now, um, but uh, yeah, he's involved with them. As is Bono. Bono, I believe, founded it. Um, and a few years ago, at a Red Benefit gig, Nile Rogers, Bono, The Edge, and... Um, I think Chris Martin what, was hanging I... around as well. Well, isn't he always, <laughs> seeing what he can steal? Mm-hmm. Um, so they did do a few versions, or a few cover songs, including uh, Let's Dance, the David Bowie track, mm-hmm. and um, Get Lucky. And have you, you? I believe you've got some audio to play us there, Johnny. Yeah, I think we'll just take a little, a brief. We'll just have a brief listen to that. Um, so I'll stick that on in the background, and you can make your own opinions about what you, how, how you think it is. It is a bit ropey, but to be fair, it is also for charity. 
and it's a bit of a no-brainer if you know you're going to get these people together to get them to, to sing this sort of thing. So I think everyone it gives was a good also, go. It, it was also a, a ticketed event. It wasn't... Um, this is a, 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 a cell phone recording. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's hardly a you know proper collaboration in the studio or anything like that. And it managed to raise... Apparently the auction, which was linked to the charity, managed to raise £16 million for Red. Although I'm sure as... As recently, um, we found out whenever you two raise millions of pounds, there's always going to be people saying that, how dare they? Uh, but whatever, let's let's not get into those thorny issues. Um, so, uh, yeah, you should have heard a clip there anyway about of, of, of Get Lucky, that version. You can always look at the full thing on YouTube if you would like. Um, and oh, I'm sorry. let me tell you, it is hilarious. <laughs> I love it. I love it on the same level as I love... Um, Mick Jagger <laughs> collaborating with you two at the Hall of Fame ceremony. That version stuck of in Stuck in a Moment I swear will one day see me off because I find it so excruciatingly painful and funny yet enjoyable. Yeah, I find with Mick Jagger, the um, you know when people do impressions of people, and obviously if you've watched the trip, you'll know this. If people do impressions, they're often not doing a very genuine impression. They're doing a, a version of or an idea or a caricature. Mick Jagger is a caricature of himself. He's He so plays the type every single time I see him on live. And if you see him on that Stuck in a Moment thing, that's, that's the best evidence for that that I could think of. I saw a, a picture of him on Twitter the other day where he was he'd set up a some speakers in his in his very large house obviously and mm. during quarantine he was uh, you know practicing and I, and I just thought why start now Mick <laughs> <laughs> I I do like Mick Jagger but yeah. he doesn't seem he he's I, I he seems to me like the kind of guy that goes on stage and wings it and he, and he's got a tremendous hit rate with winging it um yeah, I don't, I don't know how true that is, but that's certainly the impression I have of Mick Jagger. And look, I mean, I hope I'm that active at you know 150 or whatever he is. So fair enough. Yeah, I wish him well. I think, I, I think he can make a career out of this. <laughs> um, well, so back to Daft Punk. There was huge hype around this particular album. There was even a series that was set up before it came out, um, called the Collaborators series, um, which was a series of videos that turned up. And it showed all the different collaborators. This is not really just a Daft Punk album. I mean, it's arguably a Nile Rogers album as much as anything because he's so deeply involved in it. But and Pharrell Williams, like he his uh, fingerprints are all over this as well. Certainly, yeah. But the the level of collaborators that you've got, and also big names. Um, obviously, you've got people like Giorgio Moroder. Uh, although I th- actually he's he's sort of, it's easy for you to say. Yeah, he's more of a, an inspiration actually. Um, Chile Gonzalez, Julian Casablancas. I'm not going to name everyone, but it's a huge list of names. Um, so this was a collaborative project. That's it feels like Daft Punk were almost conductors. I mean, obviously they play a lot on this album as well, but they were conductors bringing in the very best talent to try and aim for something that they'd never really done before. I think you could do a real deep dive on this album and we could talk for hours and hours about it. Yeah, you, you can. And we're, we're going to try and keep that time down, um, obviously. I think it's important for myself and Johnny to say this album came out when we were in our 
early 20s, having a lot of fun, going out, socialising, uh, going to, to clubs. And it was it came out in April, so it was really a summer anthem. And, and I, I, don't, I don't know about you, Johnny, but for me, it, it is a very, very sunny album. And I, it reminds me of summer when I listen to it. Yeah, and they've gone for that on purpose. The feeling that's evoked is backed up by all that sort of Miami-style artwork that surrounds it, all that deep orange and reds and yellows colours that that surrounded the release of this album. And um, One of the things that I think was fantastic about this was, um, obviously Daft Punk's Get Lucky became the sound of the summer. Everyone was playing it all the time. It was released in April, and it just dominated the the airwaves and it really did there's a it really did there's a comedian called limmy who's from scotland who i i absolutely think is fantastic check him out if you've never heard of him before he started tweeting soon after that single came out check out daft punk's new single get lucky if you get the chance sound of the summer he tweeted that i think pretty much every single month <laughs> ongoing right the last one that i've seen that he tweeted was in september 2019 exact same words <laughs> check out daft punk's new single get lucky if you get the chance sound of the summer he his dedication to that is so funny because he's been doing it for over six or seven years now um yeah i, I just think it's, it's just really funny because it came such a it became such a cliche yeah and in fact the first time i heard uh get lucky um was uh, i i immediately went to facebook because in, in in that days i could in those days i could tolerate facebook and i put i remember the status that i put and i, I said get the daft punks get lucky is the kick up the arse the music industry has needed and i and i stand by that i, I really think that get lucky changed things in in the 2010s that i i think there's a clear cut point of before and after get lucky mm. That's really strange, by the way, that you've used that phrasing because um, Norman Cook, a.k.a. Fatboy Slim, said more or less the same thing. I've got a quote there from him and he said, Daft Punk have given us, i.e. electronic musicians, DJs, dance music producers, given us all a kick up the arse. And I think... Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, genuinely. Well, I've got, I, 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 you've rumbled me, Johnny. Um, after all these episodes, I'm happy to announce and reveal myself as Norman Cook. Wow. Yes. How's Zoe Ball? Who? <laughs> Your wife. <laughs> I know she's she's fine. She's Wait, are they... playing with with the kids. I assume I, we've got. I actually don't even know if they're still together. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. Um, but <laughs> the whole point was that this is an album that's not just an album. It's it's a statement. And I know that sounds a little bit pretentious. And believe me, there is a lot of pretension around this album as well. Listen to some of these collaborator series things. Pharrell Williams in particular, as I'll I'll quote do some quotes from him later on. It's really funny the hype that they're putting on this album. But it, it paid off. It is a statement that says certain types of dance and house music, the things that Daft Punk have been famous for, are stale and need to be completely rethought, turned inside out, go back to the past and bring it into the future. And Daft Punk, I think, would definitely hold their hands up, the digital, electronic, Android hands, and say that they were part of that stagnant period because Human After All is, charitably speaking, a pretty ropey album. Yes, but Daft Punk have always had uh, two feet, up until this point, had two feet firmly in the irony. Four feet. Uh, Four feet, yes. Uh, 
Yes, there's two of them. Well, well, one for each. Who knows? But they they really played up the irony side of things. They were they they're called Daft Punk. Mm-hmm. You know, work it out for yourself. It, they were they were a fun band, they, and they just happened to produce fantastic EDM music. That's true. But that incredible talent that's present on um, their first two albums, um, I'm talking about Homework and Discovery. It really dropped out from Human After All when they tried to cut back a little bit on the things that were making them good which to be fair was sampling and they tried to embrace a certain rock aesthetic which worked to some extent robot rock i think is still a reasonably good song if repetitive but there's a lot of rubbish on that album and and i'm very glad that they decided to say actually we need to rethink this it took them a long time to make this album i mean that's also taken into account they made the um the Tron Legacy soundtrack, which by itself is a better album, I would say, than Human After All. Uh, I could never get into the Tron soundtrack, um, but I feel we're veering off course here. That's true. Um, I do want to ask you, were this album places for you, Johnny? In history or in my life or what? In um, How do you view this album? Where, where, where is it? Is it one of your absolute favorites top 10 uh where do you place it when you think about uh, random access memories where do you put it it's uh, it's it's always gonna be tied to summer i mean because purposely they released it at a time just so it gained a lot of traction just before people started hanging around having barbecues going out in the sun this makes me all very sad and nostalgic considering our current situation but anyway um (laughs) but i i tie this song to me wearing sorry this album to me being in our friend Vinny's garden um a lot of the time listening to it wearing bad hawaiian shirts you know barbecues going and you've got maybe a cold drink in your hand that kind of thing and it so it's it's tied to a lot of good times even if i wasn't listening to it in a very focused way just having lose yourself to dance or give life back to music in the background of all my spotify playlists around that time of summer um that's where yeah. i place it so it's a very it's oddly nostalgic considering it's not that old of an album really comparative to, to some albums that i still listen to a lot but i, I oh, think about Vinny a lot with this album as well because i graduated and this this album it was that summer this album was huge um so i i remember coming back from my graduation all suited and booted uh, and i met Vinny and his sister in a pub and <laughs> So uh, I remember. I don't remember a lot about that night, but the parts that I do, um, he, uh, this this album is the soundtrack to it. Yeah, and I think there must be because this was a very social album. Like everyone was talking about it at the time. I think there's going to be a lot of good memories tied to this for everyone, really, who 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 likes Daft Punk. And just by the way, if you are one of our uh, U2 fans and you've you, you're not really into dance music um, or this sort of thing, I would definitely this would be probably the album that I would say check out and see what you think because it's so interesting and not not all fantastic as well. I, I I think you like this album slightly more than I do, and we'll probably rub up against certain differences as we as we go through it. Hands down, this is one of the best albums I've ever heard. It wouldn't make it into my top twenty albums of all time, but it really. But it would make it into oh. the top fifty. Dear me, uh, I, I just <laughs> suck the wind right out of those. Sails. I'd rather. I'd, I actually think. I actually prefer Discovery from start to finish, but that's that's maybe one for another another day. Yeah, maybe maybe it's because this this album really is a time in my life. 
yeah, I, I think that's that's is that's probably the case for a lot of people. The only little fact that I wanted to um, say before we move on is just it's just something weird that I've I found out, and I know people might be thinking, get on with it, you know, get back get to the music, but. There is a there's a species of flatworm that was named after Daft Punk, so this has got a complicated um, Greek or Roman or Latinate name, which is uh, Bicalalia Daft Punker, and it was called that after the duo because um, the flatworm has got a little helmet shaped head like Daft Punk. So um, that was discovered in um, in Canada. So there is a worm named after Daft Punk. And if that isn't a, you know, a music credential, I don't know what is. Where's Bono's worm? I listening anymore, Johnny, if I'm honest. Well, fine. but I, th- I think that's it. I think you've just seen off the, the last few listeners. The flatworm enthusiasts are going mental. <laughs> well, if, if you are a flatworm enthusiast and you found that really interesting, then please contact us on, uh, on Twitter at review underscore you two. No, at Rev underscore you two. Wow. Are we... <laughs> and obviously, we're still in isolation. We can't see each other or hear each other. So this makes might make the show a little bit more stilted and less professional than it might normally be. Are we still going to be doing the track uh, rundown of the top hits at this particular time? Of course. I, it's, my, it's my solid view that that is everybody's favourite feature. I think that's when we lose the viewers. All right, well... Um, I guess, uh, are you ready to do it if I, if I hit the music? Yes, apologies for names. There's a lot of people here I do not recognise. Okay, well, um, hit it. In at number 10 this week, Just Give Me a Reason, Pink featuring Nate Ruse. Number 9, That Power, Will I Am featuring Justin Bieber. In at number 8, I Need Your Love, Calvin Harris and Ellie Goulding. Number 7, Up From 6, no, Down From 6, Play Hard by David Goetta featuring Neo and Akon. New onto the chart this week, it's number six. This is what it feels like. Armin van Buren featuring T. Gerthry. Number five, Can't Hold Us, Macklemore, Ryan Lewis and Dalton. And at number four, Waiting All Night, Rudimental featuring Ella Ear. Number three, Let Her Go, Passengers. Number two, new on the chart. So good to me, Chris Malachak. And number one this week, for another week running, fourth week I think, Get Lucky by Daft Punk featuring Pharrell Williams. Now, how many featured artists have we got on there? That's crazy. Like It's more than on this album. Was this, was 2013 just featured artist time or something? I mean, I I know it's not my scene, but I didn't recognise... This isn't a scene. This is the charts. Well, I, I mean, I, I wasn't listening to the charts at that point. I was listening to Daft Punk, and probably you two. See, I, I, w- I was listening to the, the charts because I would have it on in the car on the way to university. Um, so I, I know I do know a lot of these, but I just why why was everyone suddenly just teaming up? But they 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 given up that much that they they couldn't write songs on their own anymore. Will I am and Justin Bieber. Good. <laughs> I can't think of a more innocuous purring. I don't know the song. I, I, it might be great, but just listening, just thinking, Will I Am featuring Justin Bieber makes me want to jump out of a window. Yeah, I was going to do some uh, 
even more bland featuring jokes there, but I think I'm just going to wind people up if I start criticising people, so I will not bother. I don't think we've got many Will I Am or Justin Bieber fans listening. No, no, but... The... <laughs> That's not our demographic. No, maybe not. Well, shall we get straight into Give Life Back to Music then? Let's go, man. Good, good. So... I'm not going to say all the writers for these songs because there's a lot. If it's important, it'll come up. But the first track, Give Life Back to Music, at 4 minutes 34. Quite a short song for this album. I remember... Yeah, uh, th- oh, go on, sorry. This was, this was the final single released on the 31st of January 2014. Um, we, we haven't actually said so far who is in uh, Daft Punk. Um, so pro- probably sh- probably should mention like who they are. So uh, Daft Punk are made up of Thomas uh, Thomas Banjolta and Guy Manuel de Homen Cristo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they are the alien the the uh, I, what I suspect are humans underneath the guise of aliens, aliens, robots, visitors, uh, Frankensteinian abominations. Yeah. Um, yeah. It took me. I, I was looking through a lot of things today, worrying because I, I find it difficult to pronounce both names, and there's a lot of different pronunciations. So I can have a crack at both of them, but don't worry. I think I just nailed it. Oh well, great. Well, whenever yeah. we need to say them, I'll just drop in a sample of you saying that. Then that'll be smooth. <laughs> um, so I remember this was an incredible build-up. It was a really well-managed campaign that the. Um, that the lads did. It feels weird calling them the lads. It seems a lot more uh, fitting for, for you two, but anyway. The, call them the robots. Okay, so the robots had this campaign online and it was a slow build-up where you would get little snippets of different bits of the songs, little teasing amuse-bouches to get you ready for this album. And the trailer, I remember, for this was the putting on of this record in a sort of space-age capacity and it had the build-up, the first little bit, the do-do-do, do-do-do, and you know, all that huge build-up and almost like a Let's Dance level of climax just before the song itself came in and it cut out before then. And you just think, what's going to come after that? What are Daft Punk going to do? Because it sounded so appealing. And and what comes after is very chilled out, actually. It's, it's, it's Nile Rogers doing one of his signature laid-back, rhythmical, Stratocaster-based riffs but it's just yeah. chilled and beautiful, and it's this might be one of the best things they've ever produced. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you keep you keep some powder dry there, Johnny. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I've I've got the same 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 notes. It's got this chilled funk groove throughout, and um, I always say, uh, <laughs> and I and I remind you of this every episode that I like to be transported. I am transported with this song, but it's not a gradual process. It's bang. I'm in. I am in this album now. Mm. I I've given myself over, and and I do think that give a give life back to music works as a kind of warning to any listener of this song. Yep. You're gonna need to give yourself to this album. Yes, and also you have to trust in the fact that what they're doing is different. It's an opening mission statement saying. We are going back, and it's a cliche, but we're going back to go forward, to move into the future. Because they're saying to all the people who, and a lot of people are disappointed by this album. My brother absolutely loves house music. He's really into that scene. 
Discovery and Homework would be his records of choice for Daft Punk. And he, yeah. like a lot of people, was kind of just a bit confused by this sort of thing. Like, didn't hate it, but just thought, what's this? You know, this sounds like we're back in the 70s. We've got, you know, we don't have the tight, compressed drum sounds that we usually get with Daft Punk. We've got these open acoustic live sounds that sound like, you know, the sounds of the 60s, the 70s, you know, etc. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm... I do like Daft Punk's earlier work, but I'm I'm a lot more cool on the on those albums than than with with Random Access Memory. Mm-hmm. I, I met Random Access Memories, um, or Ram. I should I should say. I just think they hit on something here which was artistically interesting, but also had a, a, a poppy fluffiness which made it very accessible mm. to. Uh, non-audiophiles. I think this album made me an audiophile, if I'm honest. This is when I really started to care about what speakers I had, what headphones I had, mm. uh, what my, my sound system, um, what what spec it had. This, uh, I, In fact, it made me buy a new turntable. So th- this, this really had a huge effect on the way I listened to music. Yes, there's a certain level of attention to detail on this album which really comes across. And from reading the little bits about the album that I have done this week, they would take sometimes over a week to get a particular vocoder sound or blend of vocoder sounds. But the thing is, that's what makes this sound good. I'm not just saying that you have to be a a nerd about equipment and everything, but I do think it's important to take the time and not just say, whatever, that'll, that'll do for this sort of thing. The crispness of this recording is crazy. Sorry, that was gone. No, you don't have to be a music nerd to appreciate this album. But if you are a music nerd, like I think I probably am now, uh, that, that's probably undoubtable. Mm. Um, there's a lot to discover. And you, then you realise that this is an album made by music nerds. Yeah. And Guy Manuel de Homan Cristo, uh, in particular... Will if he's recording vocals, it'll have a sixties a, a microphone from the sixties, not just a sixties model, an actual microphone from the sixties, from the seventies, from the eighties, from the nineties. He'll have them all set up, and he will record the vocal on all of the microphones at the same time. And even uh, Thomas Banjolta in interviews has said most people wouldn't even notice the difference between the different microphones. Mm. But Guy Manuel de Homen Christo would, <laughs> and that is why he does it. It's like a- he 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 he's so in tune with um with different different recordings that he can tell you which style microphone or which era of microphone it's recorded on. Must be like a press conference when he does his uh, studio work. Uh, that's exactly how I imagine it. Yeah. <laughs> um, little things that I find interesting about this track. I mean, I mean, just beyond the the genius of Nile Rogers doing finding the exact right riff to play at which whereas a lot of other people would be saying right what can we do that we can show off on the guitar here you know during the little breaks but he just has that really simple riff that dick 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 and it's so it's so clever it's basically just one note almost but it's exactly what's needed at that at that time it's really hard to do as well to find the right, the right, if you're going to play so few notes, to find the right ones is very impressive. 
Um, yeah, and and Nile Rogers doubles up every single guitar. So like like I, I, I imagine many guitarists over the years have gone away and tried to recreate a, a Chic track or a Nile Rogers track. Or even you know one of these tracks on this album, mm. um, but now Ro- if now Rogers is recording guitar, he doubles up everything, so you really can't play a now Rogers riff on your own. Yeah, because he's he's essentially using the guitar in, as a as a rhythm guitar and also playing the the melody line that's that's going on in the background and also then using it as a percussive instrument as well. And it wouldn't really work on very many other instruments than than a, a Stratocaster in, in my view. So. I think it it is he has just sort of he's carved out his own domain in terms of playing guitar and it yes, works has, yeah. so well for this album. The last thing that I noticed about this um was each one of those build-ups, the one the thing that kicks off the whole record. I think there's about 3 of them every time. If you just listen back to the track, each one of them gets even more intense. And then there's this almost yes. like feeling of relief at the end where there's crowd noises and a bit of clapping and happy sort of laughtery kind of sounds. And it is it's such a welcoming track and it does like, usher you in. It's like these beads have parted and you're walking into the most amazing 70s club in, you know, 2050. Yeah. Did this did this um album introduce you to to Neil, I mean not introduce you to Nile Rogers but did you go did it make you go back and listen to a lot of the Sheik tracks yes yeah, and I've I've played um I've played some Sheik I played the bass to um we did freak out at a talent show at school um again I'll I'll remind everyone that I'm I'm, I'm employed there I don't attend and um we you know another teacher did the Nile Rogers guitar and it's just it's so much fun it genuinely is so much fun to play. Yeah, um, I, I, I mean, I would love to be surrounded by musicians um, that are talented enough to be able to replicate this in a passable way. Yeah, well, I mean, whatever's going on here, you've, you, as soon as you add vocoders and Daft Punk's level of sophistication to the the mix, that's going to be quite difficult. Yeah, I, I mean, just. I mean, I mean, I think we're gushing about this this album too much already, and we're only on track one. Sure. Uh, so we should probably move on to uh, the, the track two, "The Game of Love," in at five minutes twenty two seconds. Yeah. Now, this one I think is a good way to introduce it is to just go from what um, Daft Punk have said about it themselves. So they have explained that this is a song about a a, a lost love that's being sung by an android. Um, so he said, "We sing with vocoders." At a time when human voices are, are processed to become robotic, we found it exciting to make a more humane as possible robotic voice. The idea of artificial intelligence approaches the man, an emotion of something that is not human, but tries to be. And this is an idea I've always been fascinated by. I think this is why I got obsessed about the film Wally, and when I was even younger, Short Circuit, and why I really like Frankenstein. Because the idea of something robotic gaining a spark of life or something that isn't fully human attempting to be human or getting something that's a a feeling like a humanity i just find that so engaging and interesting um so this is a song almost designed to be appealing to me on a on a intellectual level and again when you when you when you feel like the the adding in a way to the same ideas that Kraftwerk did but in a totally different way with the sounds on this album it's it's just great. Yeah, it is a reverse of what Kraftwerk were doing, uh, giving life and emotion, anthropomorphizing 
a robot or a computer or a cell phone or it, it just it's a beautiful image i, I mean mm. maybe maybe people maybe i'm being a bit too uh uh soppy there but i <laughs> i seriously seriously begin to care about this robot character that that continues to appear on this album and mm. I, I, my only problem is that this song in particular appears to be out of sync yes um, i've said that because yeah we'll 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 bring uh, we'll keep coming back to this idea of a robot discovering a consciousness and through that discovering an emotion which i think is a loose storyline running through this album yeah but that story hasn't started yet and this song is further into the story so this this isn't the beginning i just also think it's it's an odd choice for a second track because it's very downbeat it's I mean, production-wise, it's off the charts. Every single element is recorded so well. This song, I mean, there's there's certain reminders within the album that this is not the album you think you're going to listen to. Yeah. Even even when I go away from this album for a few months and I come back to it, I'm struck by, ah, man, I didn't expect to feel that. I didn't expect to feel this. I I forget about it because there are there are big happy pop songs on this record, and then you come back to it and you're like, wow, it, I forgot that it makes me feel like that, and it's it's a really interesting, um, I think it's kind of like uh, if I can be a complete nerd and talk about Doctor Who, it's kind of like the the species of aliens called the Silence, where you don't remember anything about them unless you're looking at them. Mm. And that this with this album, I kind of forget a lot of the tracks until I'm back with it, and then I remember how emotional they are and and how much it can make me feel. Yeah, there's some interesting feelings and and tones that are going on that are hidden away, which if you've not if you've not listened to this album for a while, and it 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 did become overplayed, so it, it did take me a long time to get back into it after I'd listened to it quite intensely. But I yeah. mean, what I've what I've put about this song on the, on that kind of level is that this song is not very diverse in terms of lyrics, but it doesn't really matter. So if you look up at the if you look at the lyrics to this one, very very simple. But the point is that the vocoder is done so beautifully; it's like almost achingly beautiful. And the complexity is not in the the lyrics, you know, exploring different subjects. And Daft Punk have never been people who've written you know, a profuse amount of lyrics. The complexity is in the they tone. Are, they are considered lyrics. Yeah. They are they are really considered simple lyrics. Songs don't have to be complicated. They don't have to be twelve minutes of meatloaf. You know, oh it, it, it can be <laughs> it can be re- we're not doing meatloaf on Tumble then. Uh I've become vegetarian. <laughs> so um so like the lyrics are really simple and and the main the main lyric in in the game of love is and it was you and and I'm going to do my best bono uh talking to bb king impression now oh god and it was you and it was you the one that should be breaking my heart when you decided to walk away when i wanted you to stay Simple. Actually reads some, like a 14-year-old's diary. Some mighty heavy lyrics there. <laughs> I'm terrible. Go well, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. They On paper, you think, well, that's not that's not that complicated. The complexity's all no. in the way that the, the vocoder subtle shifts each time that they sing this, and that's what makes this 
if you've not heard this song for a while, just go back and listen to that. I hate telling people to do that because it feels very like, do this, do that. But if that's what uh, we're also, on about... Also, Johnny, you've got to remind them, closed cans, baby, closed cans. This is a closed cans album. Yes, this... I, do, do not be telling me you've listened, <laughs> listened to this in a pub with your mates. No, I've, I've not. not. And I, Although I will say there are some songs on this which seem designed... This isn't one of them. There's a couple of songs on here which do seem designed for a more open party atmosphere, but we'll we'll get to those later. But the majority is it's got to be closed cans, obviously. Yeah. Um, what what I really like about this is it's a song of complete sonic harmony. Everything is working together, mm-hmm. but it is a song about heartbreak and division, and that contradiction just makes me it makes me so happy that I want to. <laughs> curl up and die <laughs> i know it's contradictory i know i get it but that's how it makes me feel wow well um before you die i'm going to remind you that we're nearly up to about 35 minutes and we've got to track two <laughs> so let's take let's go giorgio by Moroder. nine yeah. minutes and five seconds yeah let's have a chat about this one then um i personally right and i know you're going to disagree i personally think and I'll say I love the intro, but it should have been a track three was Maroda's intro, and then track four is a bit where it, where he goes, "My name is Giovanni Giorgio," and everyone calls me Giorgio, and then it goes, you know, that kind of thing. We don't need the whole story every time I want to listen to this song. Um, no. However, this is interesting, right? This, this, this is genuinely an interesting take. This is the first time I've ever heard an autobiography to disco music. True. It's an amazing idea. It is an idea that more people should consider. Not only that, it is an idea that should be trans- uh, transferred over to film. That uh, having one long piece of music as a biography is being told. I uh, and I don't know. I want I want your opinion on this, Johnny. Um, is Giorgio Moroder speaking to the beat, or is the beat set to him speaking? Um, I am. I think what they did, from what I remember, is they just had a had a chat with him, and they, I think they want they wanted to just get him to speak about what was going on, and then I think they would have matched the beat to to him, maybe with a couple of little tricks and things for tempo, um. But the song is at a quite is at that conversational level anyway. You know the the beat. So I I don't think they would have said Giorgio. Here's a clip track. Talk about talk to it because I think he would have been like, what the hell are you talking about? No, I he invented the click track. He he literally invented the click track. Mr. Metronome he, invented the click track. Well, okay, but uh, uh, so uh, Giorgio Moroder was was one of the first people to actually use it in music production as is covered in this song um if you'd occurred to listen to it yeah i just i but i i think if if they'd have said here's a click track do your speech do your thing and i think he would have out of everybody in the world he'd have gone yeah i get that i know what they're doing now quite possibly quite possibly I, I will defer um, to your, your your greater wisdom on this one yeah i i, I can really imagine a stop motion uh, movie going along <laughs> to this. I'd love to see an animation of this, uh, and it's just it's it's absolutely beautiful the effect that they create, and and it's one of it's, again it's one of the songs on the album that you could you could really write a whole movie about. Um, 
go and listen to it. Giorgio tells you his story perfectly, and it's a great track. It is nine uh, nine minutes and five seconds long, but that will go uh, go by really, really fast. Yeah. There's not really a lot more I or you can say about it. It has to be experienced. Well, I mean, I, I am going to say about it, but um, to 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 kind of go on from that. I've been annoyed in the past when I've listened to this and it's not been a continuous piece or it's just been in the background. I've, I I don't think it works in isolation. I think you have got to listen to it from start to finish um, by the, by the yeah. intro. Um, to get that moment when everything cuts out and those huge strings come in. And that was one of the things that I really liked about reading about this album. Daft Punk paid for their own strings to be recorded they spent a lot of time a lot of money saying we're just gonna go over the top on the strings they recorded hours and hours of strings which don't appear on this album as well but when they do use them at the right time when you've got that stop of the of the you know the the synthesizer or the the um the kind of modulated uh, synthetic beats and then suddenly you get this huge string swell it's so unexpected. It's almost, yeah, it comes out of the balloon. It's very emotional almost. It's, it, one thing I would say is though, it's it's a bit bloated and there's about a minute of the end that could have been shaved off this song. I agree. You know, no, I agree with that. It, it could, it could be shorter, but I think when you're in it, you're in it and mm. you, you don't, you don't mind. It's, it's not as if you don't put this track on. And strangely, you, you, you still, even though it's nine minutes long, you, you still put it on. You don't mind the time because you know once you're in it, you're in for a treat. And I found myself listening to this, expecting it to build back up again when it's dying yeah. off at the yeah. end. Uh, so, so you kind it does it still leaves you wanting more. And it's a it's a tremendous tribute to Giorgio Moroder, who um, I think myself and Johnny are a bit too. Uh, uh, e- easy to sometimes say that people deserve to be on a Mount Rushmore of of, of music. Mm. Um, but while I'm listening to this album, or while I'm listening to Giorgio Moroder, I, I definitely feel like he deserves a place because his impact on music. It might not be the music that um, our listeners, i.e., U2 fans, would generally listen to, but Giorgio Moroder's influence is so far-reaching mm. now; it's crazy. And I've been, I've been listening to uh, the Melon remixes this week, and I don't see a massive contradiction between this kind of stuff and you know some of the stuff that you two have done oh particularly i've not listened to melon for a long time the perfecto um, i might i might dig perfecto it out. mix of lemon still just really holds up that's one of the longest pieces of music that i can listen to and still enjoy every single bit but um i guess we shouldn't go off topic too much should we take a look within tyler let's go yeah um it is a bit confusing, actually. the The ending of of the uh, Maroda track finishes with this kind of there's a sort of four to the floor beat that you would expect, and you think, okay, that's going to lead into the next one, and then suddenly you get beautiful classical would, piano. Would that would that not be the, the the aforementioned click track? Well, yeah, exactly. But you think that it's going to lead into something. That's what you would normally do. I mean, in at the the start of radioactivity you have that a very similar thing happens where you have a Geiger counter which then morphs into a click track um and it's incredible but you'd expect it to lead into the next track whereas this doesn't you've got Chili Gonzalez p- playing this incredible piano music 
this is probably my favorite song in terms of the, the quieter songs on the album and for me this would be if we were going back to that idea of the android who finds love and doesn't understand what this feeling is this would be the center the centerpiece of my daft punk musical which i maybe i'll script now i've got a bit of time in um in isolation um well this would be track 1 of the um robot discovering emotion story yeah for yeah, me. I think it, I think it's this is this is part yeah, one, kickoff, shall we yeah. say? And this is this is almost like it's just acquired consciousness, or it's it's understood, it's it's gone haywire, and somehow in a in a short circuit, Wally kind of way started to grasp yeah, its emotions. To, to, to quote the lyrics, there are so many things that I don't understand. There's a world within me that I cannot explain. That's, that's the start of the that's story. The lyrics that I've got here as well as as noted, and and briefly was considering thinking. Well, if I did ever have a tattoo, I wouldn't actually mind there's a world within me that I cannot explain. I think that's quite a cool tattoo. I, I like many rooms to explore, but the doors look the same. We're not having complimentary tattoos. I draw the line at our bromance going that far. <laughs> but what about the heart locket I got you? Are you still wearing that? Um, yes, it's got your picture in it. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> back to this song anyway. <laughs> It's. I love that. I love that I can weird you out remotely. Yep. I mean, the thing is, I would say that they could do a bit more of this kind of thing in terms of restraint on the album, because it's a shorter track. It's. Yeah, I thought this was huge single territory, but strangely, not one of the five singles they released from this. Yeah, album. I it, again, this to me is the absolute emotional centerpiece of of this of this album for me, and. It's so incredibly catchy. The you know the da 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 dun dun da da dun dun. It's it's such a obvious melody to be a a single. I mean, you could sell this to in a bastardized rubbish form to any you know kind of pop singer, and they would they could use it. You know, it wouldn't be as good as this on any level, but they you could. It's that good of a melody that you could just literally plonk it in someone else's career and say, "Have that. Give me a million pounds." Yeah, there's a there's a fragility and a, a an insecurity about those lyrics to that melody. I've been, I've been for some time looking for someone I need to know now. Please tell me who I mm. am, and I think every that's just an emotion that everyone's felt. Yeah. But how many people could actually write it like that? And if you didn't record it the way they've done with the vocoders, if it was just you know like a dude singing it. It would have so much less appeal. <laughs> a dude, like an, a dude, dude, totally. Like I, I've been for some time looking for someone. I need to know now. Please tell me who I am. That kind of dude. Yeah, well, I mean, dude, I mean, definitely made the case though that they did it that way rather than using, I don't know, Zach from Saved by the Bell to to do it or one of the um, Wild Stallions. Hey, 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 hey! What is going on here? Well, all the Save by the Bell fans will love that. <laughs> and when AC Slater and Screech will be turning up. Uh, well, Screech won't be. He uh, he doesn't talk to the rest of the cast these days. Anyway, this is not um, Save by the Bell cast. No, although the next song could could sort of feature because the next song is called Instant Crush. Oh, you reckon it's for Kelly Kaposki, do you? Possibly so. Weird you remember her name. Anyway, um... You, you you really you didn't think I knew this much about Saved by the Bell, did no, you? No, <laughs> I, I, I really don't want us to do a separate podcast about that. 
Um, so, Instant <laughs> Crush featuring Julian Casablancas from The Strokes. Um, a very interesting choice, and I think part of the part of the continuing mission on this album for them to to move away from what you would expect them to do. People following everything that Daft Punk had done up to this point was just expecting, let's have more EMD. You know, obviously they have used guest voices occasionally, but not a pioneer of the garage rock revival who, I mean, if you think about it, take a song at last night, one of the most rawly recorded um, rock vocals, and obviously highly processed, but, you know, that song is purposely down in the dirt in terms of the the voice quality and i I really like that by the way um but this is so soft on his voice yeah if you're not an avid listener to the strokes and you you perhaps only know the you know one or two singles which which uh, you know i'm i'm more in that camp than not although i have listened to a couple of uh strokes albums in my time Mm -hmm. i don't know them very well but if you if you're like me that this might be a nice respite uh, from the usual vocal effects that Casablancas uses on his voice, um, and he's still got quite heavy effects on his voice, yep. but this is this is just a, a shift in tone. I feel. Yeah, and I mean, there will be some Strokes fans or Casablancas fans saying, "Well, he he had moved away from that in his solo stuff, which he had." I mean, if you've never heard of his solo stuff, Eleventh um, Dimension is quite a good song to listen to to get a sense of him doing something a bit more poppy and eightiesy. But that still doesn't sound like this, and it's like his voice is being used as uh, cliche again, but like an instrument here, very processed to fit with this sort of smooth, soft quality that's going on with the the guitar that is sort of gently fuzzy rather than rocky. Yeah, a, a good a good video as well um, of a um, a model in a museum coming to life. Yeah, again, it fills out. There's not really a point where they relax the themes that are going on um from these maybe that's because the themes are relatively universal but i like that this is a nicely integrated album and and it does it doesn't just shy away from discussing the same themes but deepening them or reinforcing them with imagery yeah um did, did you remember in the in excess episode when we played the tom jones and natalie and Brulia, uh track <laughs> uh, the, the the version of never tears uh, apart never tears yeah. apart yeah, yeah. Well, Natalie and Brulia covered this song. Wow, any good? How how's your how's your computer set up right now? Can you uh, can you play from some three speakers? I don't know, but I'll have a look. Um, you might have to just fill while I look it up. Um. Okay. Yeah. No. No. No problem. Um. So, Instant Crush uh, was actually a, a single. It was released. It, it was the fourth single released on the twenty second of November. 2013. Now, a lot of the singles on this album really didn't do that well because of how big da- uh, uh, Get Lucky was. Uh, I feel like by the time they, they came around to releasing other singles, it was kind of a case of, oh yeah, we're, we're done with that now. It burnt bright and fast, which I kind of hope the album will recover from as, as time well, passes on and people according, forget how much of a big hit to that Limmy, was. Um, 2019 it's still sound of the summer <laughs> it, it, it is a sound of the summer it is how are we doing with natalie um, though? i think i've well i've i've got it ready to play if it plays it plays if not i can maybe drop it in later so um let's have a listen and see if it actually works professionalism 
Sounds quite good. To get our beautiful voices, actually. Well, beautiful woman. Yeah. Would you say you have an instant crush? Uh, no. <laughs> well, well, that that worked. My problem with this song, though, not Umbrella's cover, actually, that she probably reverses this problem. I. Sorry, how how are you pronouncing that surname? Um, Umbrella. Umbrella. Well, I, I, if she's listening, I apologise. But I doubt she is. My problem with the Daft Punk version, the original, is I can't understand what he's saying. Oh, please tell me you've got some classic Johnny mishearings. No, because not, it's not just like a mishearing sort of thing there. I mean, there's a bit later on in Lose Yourself to Dance in the next in the next track where I think I, I mistakenly thought that Pharrell was saying slut a lot of times, but he's not. Slut? Yeah, there's a bit where they're going, slut, slut. <laughs> what is he saying there? Something else. Probably. I'll look it up in a bit. Um, um, I'm trying to remember the bit of the lyrics. Where, where I've got the lyrics in front of me. Uh, can you can you sing the, the it's, preamble? It's a bit where that? he's it's it's a bit where he's um, oh, it's a bit where he's sort of he's. Let me have a look at right. Oh, sweat. He's saying sweat. That's what he's saying. Sweat. You take yeah, my shirt yeah, and okay. go ahead and wipe up all the. And I I just thought he was. It was around about the time I think that that whole. Um, uh, blurred line. You blur- wipe up all the slut. Why would you even? Think well, the blurred that? lines fiasco. I mean, Pharrell Williams got out very well from that, considering he was as deeply involved in the track as Robin Thicke, which was an incredibly, you know, div- diverse and politically difficult song. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I can't I, with Casablancas. It's, there's a lot of these bits, where he, particularly in the chorus, where he just goes, and I'm just like, I, I, I can't actually hear what you're saying. It sounds nice, and that's why it sounds more like an instrument, but I still can't actually hear what he's saying. Well, one of my favourite lyrics in this um, is, uh, he runs his scissors at the seams in the wall, he cannot break it down, or else he would fall. I love that imagery. That's yeah, cool. Scissors, scissors at the seam of the wall, um, and and I take your point. It, it is uh, the, the the vocals are quite veiled; they're not clear, and I think by design. But when you do go away and look at the lyrics f- from many songs on the album, you just find such depth and such beauty and and poetry in a lot of, a lot of places. And if you're a fan of you too well, I think you'd struggle to not like the lyrics of, of, of these hmm. songs. And there's just undoubtedly good melodies as well on throughout the record, which I think if you like you 2 you like melody, to be honest. Yeah. Um, all right, well, um, speaking of a song which has incredibly complicated um, and intricate and in-depth lyrics, Lose Yourself to Dance, featuring Pharrell Williams. Yeah, this was uh, also a single, uh, 13th of August 2013. Listening to the collaborators... Pod, uh, like little bits that are on Spotify and you can find them online. Pharrell is definitely a good hype man um, for this album, but he definitely he's a front he's a front man. Yeah, isn't he? he tumbles over into hyperbole and like just stargazing weirdness at different points. I'll give you some quotes of the things that he said about this about the music in general on this, not his song necessarily, but. He never ever refers to him as Daft Punk as well. He always calls them the robots, like he's actually met someone from another planet. So he goes, he says, this is for the globe and the album represents the fee- the freedom of like all human beings. 
they're like jesus pharrell he really goes over the top with this but he's selling it so and people bought it so uh, well it's not the most substantial song nope. I, i'm not even going to pretend but good golly gosh it's fun this is the one that i think it, it, it is yeah, fun it shouldn't be on closed cans this one this is the one that i think if you walk into a club or a party it would be good to have in the background i've put this is a closed can song well i disagree because there's a lot of depth to that to that music and you'll you'll find a lot of stuff and and the bass will shake your soul it's, man it's it does it works well like that but i still think this song i was listening to this and the first thing i wanted to do was just go and um, plug my phone into my drum kit and play along with it you know i don't it's not a song it's easy to just yeah. sit there and listen to because you know as the man says you've got to lose yourself to dance and the closest thing i can do with that yeah. is play drums well, you, you, you can dance. You're not you're not good at it, but you you, you can you, you sure can give it a good go. Yeah, yeah. And more more power to you. Yeah, like in in the way that like a flamingo with an ear infection could technically dance if you startled it. <laughs> that's probably about as close as you would get. But yeah, it's an insubstantial song, and it's um it's got a good music video where Daft Punk appear in very cool fashion with with this towering group of fans all clapping at them. But I also think five minutes fifty three way too long, and by the third time you have the um you know the 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 robots trading off with the come on 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 it's just like okay yeah we, we, come on and finish the song. Well, I I definitely don't feel like that. Um, but there we go. Yep. Okay, track seven, eight minutes nineteen seconds, another uh, long one. Too long. It's only like Mr. Burns, then. I would say this is another part of the robot-to-human story. Yeah, I'd agree. You can already tell how I feel and, about this song. And I already, I also feel like it's written in a space lab. <laughs> the way it, the way it starts, really does remind me of of Kraftwerk. Mm. Yeah, actually, I've made a note here. If you go to five minutes forty. Um, and, and by the way, save yourself a lot of bother. Um, then uh, at five minutes forty was a very craftworky bit that did me, remind me a lot of Space Lab. Actually, the start really reminded me of Space Lab. Um, a lot of interesting sounds on this album. I don't really know how they've produced them, but they're, they're, they're really, really interesting. Like bubbling water and mm. and uh, te- it sounds like test tubes and it, it sounds like science. Well, if I can defer to the robots for a moment or two, um, Daft Punk noted that the song is the most complex piece on the record. It's composed of over 250 elements. Um, it's the equivalent to a kind of day in the life as you know the Beatles did. And also, um, De Homo and Cristo said that Touch is like the core of the record um, and the memories of the other tracks are revolving around it. Having said that, I think this is too much of a hodgepodge. I think it's a bit of a mess, to be honest. But I also feel that I'm not a fan of Paul Williams' voice very much. I'm sure he's incredibly talented. And I think he composed a lot of the... um, or I don't know, he did something to do with this Phantom of the Opera. So he's massively respected. I have no lack of respect for him. I just don't like the quality of his voice. And he is the main thing on this on this song. No, I like I like it because it's weary. And I don't know how old Paul Williams is. Um so I but I, I've always got the impression that he's um 
an older gentleman, he's weary, currently at the end, seventy nine, <laughs> at the end of his rope, seventy nine. That mm-hmm. so he was uh, early seventies when he when he recorded this. I, I like it, and I I mean maybe I just like this maybe I just like this album more than you, um, but. It's it's this I I I I wouldn't describe this as an, an emotional roller coaster. I would but describe this as a journey of emotion. It's not like an emotional teacup ride. No, it's it's You're getting confused <laughs> and everything's spinning around you and you're like what is going on? Emo- Why am I on this? An emotional log flume. Uh, one way or another, you're going to get wet. Uh, so. I don't even know what you mean by that, but fine. I don't, but doesn't it sound rude? Um, so, no, I I think this this is a this is the dark side of emotion, and being beaten up by it and being kind of exhausted with it. I'm exhausted but, with it. <laughs> but I, I've put here: how can a song be so sonically good, interesting, and have vast emotional depth at the same time? And so you don't get any of that. No, I just find it's it's almost like a pastiche of the other bits around the album. I I, I could take this album with without touch on it. I think it would be stronger because it would be more consistently good. I just I don't. Well, your your Daft Punk musical is going to be empty without this track, isn't it? No, it'll be it'll be slicker and better. Oh come on! It's I I get that it does it does feed into the whole robot thing. I just I also find it a bit mawkish as well. There are this this album is bloated, definitely. Like I I like the album a massive amount, but it's bloated. An eight minute eighteen track has got to deserve its place. The Maroda song just about does that, but this one, the bit where it's going, if love is if if, if love is the answer, your home or whatever. It's like a bad version of of um, the kind of free yourself to be yourself such. It doesn't hit properly, and if that sort of thing doesn't hit properly, it sounds mawkish and a bit silly. And this th- that's the way I would say this this track is. It's just a bit silly. I I can certainly imagine uh, a McFisto character singing this. It's not evil enough for McFisto. Like the bit when the disco comes in sounds like a pastiche of a disco. It's yeah, a, okay. Like, you know, it sounds like it sounds like someone trying to do get lucky and not quite getting it right. <laughs> okay. Um I like it. Hey, speaking of get lucky. Yeah. 6 minutes 10 seconds released on April 19th, 2013. Yep. Just oh, ready to just a, build up for we're summer. We're just a few days shy of the anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um indeed. <laughs> so what have you got on get lucky mate um well niall is is it says featuring pharrell williams but he's as big as as pharrell in terms of making his song work so well the guitar is the groove the percussion the melody and apparently when daft punk met up with pharrell pharrell was saying just give me anything like even if you want me to just play you know the tambourine i will i'll do anything to be on one of your records he was that um hyped about working with daft punk so when they met up daft punk um had already built up this relationship with Nile rogers I, th- I think this is as far as i know going from the collaborator series and they'd already started putting down versions of tracks with Nile rogers and they asked Pharrell, um, what kind of stuff are you into at the moment? And Pharrell said, I'm sure this must be, you know, edited slightly to make it a better story. 
But Pharrell said, oh, well, I've just been listening to loads of disco and now Rogers and things like that. And they apparently both were like, hooray, and gave him the early starts of the song and said, do something with that. And he worked his magic. And the big-hatted buffoon got it right. I've just Googled while you were talking. <laughs> That's nice. How, how respectful. Old, how old do you think Pharrell Williams is? I'm aware that he looks very, very good for his age. Is he like 45 or something? He's 47. I thought he was our age. He looks better than me, and I'm 32. Oh, near enough. <laughs> but there we go. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm staggered by that. What were you saying, sorry? Jesus. Well, no, go and listen to the Collaborator series if you want to know. <laughs> Basically, they were on the same page before No, he, s- he said he was listening to uh, Nile Rogers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so... I, again, think this album version is too long. Um, I, th- that being said, actually, before we, before we even start, it's too easy to talk about this this song and brush over how incredibly infectious it was at the time. If you weren't around at that particular moment or just somehow had never had access to the, the radio, it was so infectious and people fell in love with this song right away and just loved it. Now it's obviously played way too much. But I, I can't still express... good though. Yeah, no, I, and I tried. To, I turned it up really, really loud on this on this listen through, and tried to get back to that original feeling that I had when I first heard this, because it is like one of those songs that's been designed in a lab to just be as infectious as possible, like a bit like. Yeah, I I, I was playing it earlier. Have you been playing it? Oh yeah, um, yeah. But it's 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 it's, it's four chords and the truth. It's just. <laughs> It's just a, it's just so simple. It is, mm-hmm. it is by design a hit. Yeah. But, and and, that, and I suppose that might be a cynical way of looking at it. But there are wor- much worse songs that have been designed to be hits. Uh, yeah, and I think, um, although I don't think there's anything cynical about this, I think there is a genuine love and joy of of, of music. It it's weirdly reminding me of you know not in terms of how it sounds, but in terms of the infectiousness. You remember Spiller Groove Jet? As in, why does no. why does it feel bad? Can you sing a bit? Oh God, it's the one with Sophie Ellis Baxter. You know, that one. You know, why does it feel so bad? That yeah, one. that one. Exactly that one. Yeah. Before I don't know where I've dug that out from. Before she, um, you know, she featured in Murder on the Dance Floor. Um, yes. Awful song. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this it's so infectious and. When I first heard this, because obviously this was the lead single, I thought the album might all be like this. And I guess to a certain extent it sort of is. Um, but I think this also is a reason why you want nerds doing vocoders, because they're so good. Every time I hear when the first time the vocoders come in and start doubling what Pharrell's doing and sort of upstage him because of how incredibly interesting they are to listen to, it's it's always a, a treat. I think it's only one chord different to a song for someone as well. <laughs> Can you two plagiarists? Um, no, no, no. Uh, like two very distinctly distinct tracks. Just shows you what what difference a chord can make. Yeah, um, I mean, it's. I think it does follow that. Um, I might be getting this wrong, but you know the whole kind of four chords that you can use that you can go around and around and you can just play them very simply and sing lots of different songs over it. 
I think it might yeah. be, you know, With or Without You is one of an example of that song and She Will Be Loved and there's millions of different ones that are like that. And I, I imagine that that would fit into that because it seems to have that level of predictability in a, in a really good way. Um, do you think the album version is a bit too long or do you like it? Um, I always, I'm always quite surprised because obviously I hear the single version more often yep. than than not. But um, I, I yeah, I kind of I kind of like that that the album version is different. It's for such an overplayed track. It's kind of like oh, this this song is 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 something else on on the record, which for me matters. I don't know how much it actually matters. But um, for me, I, I I really do like it. It's something else, but I would just say that something else isn't necessarily better. It's a right. It's it's a single. You know, it's a, it's a designed single. So like you, you're not gonna you wouldn't get anything more out of Pride or Beautiful Day by adding two minutes onto them. <laughs> well, I'm very glad uh, that there's not two minutes added to one of those songs. <laughs> Well, either a, a, the obviously three minutes, you know, of of pure single, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I'm just looking now um, for the Grammys that this song won. I mean, All this of song them? was uh, it was crazy the amount of awards this song won, and uh, just the single, you know, the amount of times it went platinum, four times platinum in in the the US, three times platinum in the UK. Uh, five times platinum, uh, five times gold in Germany. Sorry, mm. three times platinum in Mexico, six times platinum in Australia. That's just the single. That's not the album. Uh, so it was ridiculously well received. And there was also uh, and it, it was did a... win Grammy for Song of the Year. Yeah, and it it basically was. If you look on YouTube, there's a really good performance um, during which Stevie Wonder is involved, um, where they're all playing it live, and they do they do a kind of mashup with uh, freak out and lots of other things. It just shows how that song can take its place in sort of disco and funk royalty. Yeah, absolutely. Also just looking at the get lucky cover. Um, does that remind you of anything? If you're on the Wikipedia, uh, of the single. Yeah. Bear, bear me a minute. I'm a click away. Yes. A certain tour, a certain tree. Yeah, it's obviously just Certainly, incidental. It's got that, it, yeah, it's got that, and um, red rocks about it. <laughs> I think maybe under a blue red sky. Well, probably is reaching, I guess. But it just reminded me of the, you know, the the silhouettes from Joshua Tree. Yeah, you two did not invent that look. No, obviously not. They can't take every credit. Um, okay, they well, ju- they just made it better. Let's let's move beyond. Um, <laughs> get lucky then. Um, this is. In my opinion, it's it's more my my thing than than touch. This is the other one that Paul Williams was involved in, so I don't want to say that he's not a good artist. He is, and the strings are just breathtaking on this. Um, they are like operatic at some moments, and then almost got, become a little bit Bond esque. There's a bit where it goes, and you could just imagine that happening just as we zoom in on, I don't know, Venice or something, and Bond's you know in in a light linen suit walking through. And I, imagine, up the bad daft, guys. imagine a Daft Punk Bond theme. Well, I prefer that to Billie Eilish. <laughs> not that I dislike Billie Eilish, it's just that song is a snooze fest. But anyway, we'll, we'll get it's onto that It's not a eventually. snooze fest, it's a good song. Yeah, we will get onto that. Snooze fest. Um, right, so um, I think these lyrics are absolute poetry. 
I'm not going to do it the disjustice uh, of uh, mm. of reading them out in a semi Bono esque style. Yeah. But um, if you if you go if you go and check out the lyrics to Beyond, it is it's a poem. It's a poem to great music, and mm. there's no right or wrong way to look at this song. For me, it sounds it, especially the beginning sounds like the opening of a movie. Yeah. Um, it, it has epic written all over it. And then it and, just chills out a bit. Yeah, and at 4 minutes 50 seconds, I thought this might be a contender for a single. But they, they, they released longer songs for singles, which is interesting. I'd say this is a deep cut all over, to be honest. Even if it is a bit shorter, it's it, the lyrics are great, but they're very steady. And the thing that stops them becoming quite plodding, because obviously the lyrics are just... Dum, 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 dum. you know they, they they don't they don't flow like get lucky but it's it's again it's it's the guitar that keeps it moving you know that whole like ding 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 ba-da-boom. it just keeps it pushing through so it doesn't become too too slow um and the thing that i notice the most about this one is i think this might be i know i've banged on about the vocoders a lot this might be the best use of the vocoder on the album because they managed to get the equivalent of vibrato and even you know vocal cracks like when when singers manage to push the voice so hard you get sometimes get a, a, the voice cracking in a way that's beautiful bono does it quite a few times yeah um, it's called vocal fry yeah um well i mean to do that via a vocoder is great and there's another lyric in here where he says where um i don't know which one it is singing says um the perfect song is framed with silence it's one of those just it works really well in there and, and i agree there there is poetry on this album which i mean i've got to give this album credit over discovery i mean it certainly kicks one more time mm, i'm just feeling it's there celebration tonight you know that's not really poetry is it Mm, compared to no, this. it's not. So, so I think no. I think this album has a lot higher poetry than than Discovery manages. Although poetry's not really going for that. Sorry, uh, Discovery's not really going for that. No, um, I agree. But that is one of the best three seconds in music. <laughs> it is pretty cool. If, if there were if there was a, an award for you know three second clips of a song, mm. that one would be really. Uh, and I didn't I didn't do it very well there, but. Um, well, you, you've not got a vocoder really, on your voice. That's true, but it would be really highly regarded, I think, and it would win awards. I'll stick a vocoder on you in post. It's, it's got... um, it, Well, it's like a... Hmm, you know... Uh, it's just like... It's got such so much sex appeal. May I say, that was a bang um, on, Miss Piggy. <laughs> I honestly thought you were going to say Kermy after that. <laughs> hmm, Kermy. Um... Well, hello there, Miss Piggy. Right, anyway. <laughs> a new impression every week here on Tumble. I mean, it kind of ties in because Paul Williams was involved in writing some Muppet songs. <laughs> what has this podcast become? My God. I don't know. Let's check in with the time. Yeah, we're on nearly an hour and a quarter. So let's 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 move it on to... To Motherboard. Yes. Um, I think this song is well-produced but is a speed bump and doesn't need to be on the album. And it's got, it's five minutes 41 for God's sake. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe a bit bloated. It, it's an instrumental, um, but the, there's melodies aplenty, I would say. Mm. Um, and really focus on the drummer. 
I don't know who the drummer was on this track. There were two drummers but... overall. The only one that I know by name is called Omar Hakim because he did the drums on a lot of this and the absolutely insane drums that are on contact, um, which we'll get to yeah. eventually. Um, the, look, again, well produced, very well played, but it has got very little to say. I mean, it, it, if you didn't know this was a Daft Punk song... It's called Motherboard, which seems to just have, like, they've just slapped on a computer name, like, oh, we need something vaguely related to computers. Why, mouse Mat? No, I can't call it that. Um, <laughs> Imagine a band called Mouse Mat. <laughs> uh, should we call it Numlock or um, or Pause Break? No, we'll just call it Motherboard, whatever. It's. It, I, I just think this has got B-side written all over it, and if I heard it as a B-side, I'd say, hmm, that's interesting. Won't listen to that again, but it's interesting. Yeah, uh, did you feel there was a, a da- uh, sorry, a Kraftwerk influence on this? I mean, obviously there, yeah. there's always yeah, um, um, a, a little bit, but it's but it's also because it's quite organic the way the instruments are actually recorded. It's yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's got fluty soft um, sounds on it, and occasionally Kraftwerk do dabble in fruit, uh, fruits in fluty sounds. Fruits, do they? They sell that on the French markets on the weekend. <laughs> I'd love a Kraftwerk album about fruit. They can take a concept and really run with it. So, yeah. <laughs> I like to think that Daft Punk could actually be uh, something like, you know, you know they they could be anybody because I, I don't think they've had a picture with the helmets off. There's loads of pictures of the helmets off. In in recently? Uh, uh, there's still a few you can find. I have not seen a picture of of them without the helmets off. In over 20 years. Well, I mean, I was interested in the helmets, so I was looking at some... I did some Google searching saying, you know, what's inside the helmets, because I just wanted to know about if they're cooled or if there's a microphone inside them and things like that. And that turned up just incidentally quite a few pictures of them with, like, beards and stuff. And when they were younger, they definitely didn't have beards, so... Oh, right. Well, I've not seen those. But also, I don't think you gain anything out of that. And I think it's, it's better to... I like the choice that they made artistically that... It wasn't about them. It was about personally. It's about Daft Punk. This idea and yes, a band is an idea. Music. Yeah, and um, you know, I mean, obviously, there's certain parallels there with with other people who take on personas and things like that. So yeah, yeah, there's parallels there with Zoo TV and uh, U2 around that around that time. Are we saying that U2 invented Daft Punk? Uh, no, but I think uh, the early 90s u2 where they began to hide behind artifice certainly had an impact on bands like daft punk and, and the gorillas um and, and numerous others and i and i think for some bands it really works the idea is commitment mm. the, the reason zoo tv worked was because they committed to it yeah. completely all hog and and daft punk is I've, you know what it must be coming up now to 25 years maybe more they've still never taken the the helmets off and it's that they're still in the gimmick and i love that um well speaking of time we've now got uh (laughs) fragments of time featuring uh todd edwards this one i think actually really is essential to the album and this really injects a bit of life into it i think after you've had um beyond which is good but downbeat and then motherboard which is just an instrumental a long instrumental this actually kicks it back up again you think 
why have I been waiting so long to ha- hear something fun, you know, from this album? We started off with this give life back to music thing and now it feels like they've remembered that. Um, there's a really playful quality to it. And I also feel that this is one where they thought, right, we've got to make a song where we can't just keep the same vibe or sound all the way through in the verses. So the chorus is very, very different. There's lots of little gaps and beeps and boops and the the rhythm sort of gets a bit more funky and upbeat in that bit. Um, so I think this is a great song. I think it's a great song and it's simplistic. It's yep. it's 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 written like the kind of track uh, a, a young kid would write, you know, in the first bands when they first got a guitar. Um, you know, drive uh, drive uh, driving this road down to paradise. Mm. Very reminiscent of of uh, something like Cedarwood Road. I was I was walking down the road. Mm. Fear was all I knew. You know that 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 initial thing yeah. where you want to instigate movement like and Bruce Springsteen kind of vibe yeah um, w- yes we, we should be doing Bruce Springsteen very soon however we are waiting until uh, quarantine is over um, to do that episode yeah we've got to do that so, do that one justice it's 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 more it, it's with 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 albums like this, myself and Johnny know it very well, and I don't need to feed off his reaction. However, I really, really want to be sat in a room with him when we go through Bruce Springsteen because I know Bruce Springsteen isn't his favorite artist of all time. No, certainly not. So, uh, yeah, the, so um, the Bruce Springsteen episode should have been out by now. I know that, and thank you for everybody that voted. However. Um, it, it's it's gonna come. It's gonna be the first episode we do out of quarantine. Yeah. And also, I don't have like beef with the boss. I just, I think I don't get him as much as other people do. Um, yeah. The only thing I want to say yeah. about this one is um, people might not remember that Todd Edwards actually sung on a Daft Punk album before. Um, he was the singer on the song Face to Face, which has always been one of my favourites. So I would love this to become a regular occurrence where Todd Edwards keeps popping back up on Daft Punk records because... Face to face yeah. and what feels right. Carry yeah, on. Don't sing at the same time because A, it's bad and B, it, it messes up our internet connection. Um, apparently my internet connection has got taste. Um, but his his voice is really crystal clear and... The, also at the end of it, it sounds like there's a little bit of a synth slash guitar solo reminding me a lot of, you know, the kind of sound that's on Digital Love when, which is possibly my favourite Daft Punk song ever, this guitar solo to that, it really reminded me of that. Yeah. Just all out and yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it, it's got a very similar quality to it, hasn't mm. it? So this to me is is absolutely essential. So you'd say that's Daft Punk doing it right? I would certainly say that. Yes, you've stolen the the, the intro that I was going to do for this song. <laughs> Featuring Panda Bear. Yes, track 12, Doing It Right. Uh, 4 minutes 11 uh, seconds. Released on the 3rd of September 2003. Featuring Panda Bear. Yeah, um, I, I do like this, by the way. Sorry, that sounded very down on it. It's just interesting that they were, towards the end of the album, they step away from the template that they've been using thus far. This is a fully electronic song. More or less, it's just got a, a synthesizer and a snare drum, really, um, which is not a problem. It's very understated, which I like. I particularly like the solo. And <laughs> I'm going to say it again. It's just a little bit too long. It's kind of happy, sad. Yep. 
I don't know where to place it. It's a, mm, I, I've, I've put here. It's it's a song for that time of night, and that's as specific as I feel about being about that. Mm. Because I feel like it, it it could be a song for the start of the night when you've just you know you, you've had pre. It could be a, a song for pre drinks. Could be a, a song for when your your friends turn up. Could be a song for when you've had one too many. Or it could be a song for the end of the night, but I think I feel by saying it says song for that time of night um, really nails how the feeling of this song. I would say you wouldn't want to follow um, "Get Lucky" with this. I'd say it's a later, later track. It's sort of defiantly happy this song in some ways, but yeah, there's also a weird sadness to it. It is interesting, and I think Panda Bear does add a lot to what's going on. Although it certainly feels different to the rest of the tracks, and Panda Bear, this is the only the, the only song to feature Panda Bear, so yeah. it's given it uh, some uh, ori- uh, some yeah originality and some uh, um, uniqueness. And it's good that at an album this long, both in track listing and just length, it, there's potential for surprise. Still, I just think it depends how I'm feeling if I actually want this song to come on. But again, it's 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 Daft Punk taking a relatively generic blase phrase doing it right and making it interesting via the way it's it's processed and the sound so yeah um, it's it's good i'm glad it's on on the record could be a bit shorter i once applied for a a, a design job with a fashion company and the uh, so that the uh, the thing i had to do the project i had to do for the interview was to take a logo or a phrase or something like that and put it it was for sportswear um so i designed a nice doing it right logo in 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 the right font mm. and you know would have it on uh, and and put it on t-shirts um and and pants and and things like that i didn't get the job but i really i thought i i thought they made a mistake in that as I thought doing it right would be a really good active were um, logo. In terms of anecdotes, Tyler, I cannot say that you were doing it right just then. <laughs> right, okay, let's move on to contact then. Yeah, good. Um, this is an interesting track for multiple reasons, which I'm sure we can both go into. This is the way that the Daft Punk used to produce records so it came as quite a shock to me when I looked on YouTube and found out the history of Discovery which is an album that's more or less full of music that isn't really Daft Punk's music quote unquote it's an absolute collage or patchwork of, of sounds from before from the 80s and 70s you know all, the, all those kind of times like, like Giorgio Moroder says so this is the only track where you can go back and listen to another song in this case by the Sherbs, and you can hear exactly the same thing. So that very first starting bit that's on synthesizer is just taken straight from the Sherbs, and I've forgotten the song that it is. Do you remember what the song is, Tyler? No, I didn't know that. You've taught me it's, something. Like well, that. if you, after this, go and listen to, um, if you put in contact and the Sherbs, it's going to annoy me if I don't find out what it is, then you can hear that it's, the very first part of this is it is exactly taken from that. So much so that um, that Daryl Braithwaite, Tony Mitchell, and Garth Porter were 
also had to be credited as co-writers for this because it's so so similar um right ah we ride tonight which is quite a good song um we ride tonight although to me it sounds exactly like because the night um back to the boss by roy orbison yeah, yeah. Oh no, because the yeah. night I drove, we drove all night. I drove all night. <laughs> it's the, uh, yeah. Because it's like a mix between the yeah, two. Yeah, because the night, because the night is my favourite song of all time, I suppose, written by Patti Smith and given to the boss. Yeah. Well, well, l- listen to "We Ride Tonight" by the Sherbs, and you'll see that it sounds both like this because it's it's a sample, and very similar, in my opinion, to that. This song is all to do with space travel, and it's. The idea of them blasting off out into space, having finished the album, the robots return to wherever, whatever planet or dimension that they've come from. And they've also, they asked NASA, um, DJ Falcon helped work on this and, and is also a co-writer. They asked NASA to give them mission recordings, those grainy, interesting, kind of like sort of sampled recordings that are obviously just just part of the job if you if you actually work for nasa but in this context just sound effortlessly cool and drenched with more meaning than you they would originally have had so i'll just read out if you'll bear with me i'll read out what the quote is from the start because i don't think many people will have heard this in a very particularly clear way it's quite hidden in the mix at the start so the this is from a, a nasa recording it's um from a guy called eugene cernan from the apollo 17 uh, mission where he observes a flashing object from a window of his capsule so, um, hey Bob, I'm looking at what Jack was talking about and it's definitely not a particle that's nearby. It's a bright object and it's obviously rotating because it's flashing. It's way out in the distance, certainly rotating in a very rhythmic fashion because the flashes come almost come around almost on time. As we look back at the Earth, it's up at about 11 o'clock and maybe 10 or 12 diameters. I don't know whether that does you any good, but there's something out there. If you look back at those words because they've been put into this new context of rhythm and looking back at the earth and considering humanity and things like that and the idea of contact and making contact with different things either in different places or different planes of existence if i'm not being too pretentious it just makes it really interesting and it's a great song to end the album with yeah it is it's probably the daft punk song i've listened to more than any other well it when i'm testing out new headphones um, which may seem like a rare occurrence to a lot of the people listening to this. However, for me, it seems quite quite regular. Um, so this is the song that I will use to test out headphones. I suppose it's a good idea to have the same song, and that way you can you can keep coming back to it. My my one to do that is always uh, the Unforgettable Fire because like this the not only is it my favourite song, but there's little. I think it can give it can give the headphones a good workout because there's so many little details. That you can yeah you can... i i know i i just feel there's so much going on in this track yeah that it's um it immediately tells me i i don't need to spend that long listening to this track when i'm you know finding headphones although i i because i enjoy the track so much i do this will often be the first uh or last track on a running playlist for example mm. uh it, i feel like it gives me energy um i, I used to run home after nights out to this track because uh it just gave it just gives me that energy mm. uh there's elements of the rest of the album that you know returning riffs synths melodies it's ridiculously chaotic but very melodic and i love i love every part of it and i feel like this is 
really the conclusion of the robot to human story that we've been talking about because the emotion uh has become too much for the for the robot and he's shot off into space yeah at the end and he's just spiraling out of control because he doesn't know how to deal with with the influx of human emotion and i, I think that's beautiful yeah i mean and to reflect that the end does sound like it reaches a climax about three times and then carries on somehow and you almost get like a, a sort of punk a bit like you know when we finished talking about the ramones album um the last song on their debut you can hear the speakers fizzing uh, some sort of fuse yeah. breaking or something like that it almost sounds like they're trying to go for that sort of punk mic drop at the end because it sounds like everything just fizzing and breaking and and that's it you know there, there can be no more music because it's all it's been said now and it's done yeah, um, for me, like I, I, I can't tell you how, how epic I find this song. It really does take it take me on a a journey to somewhere else. This song is it's it's a it's a blockbuster movie. It's two thousand and one Space Odyssey. It's Star Wars. It's Apollo thirteen. It's Deep Impact. Mm. Mars Attack. Space Balls. It's all of them. <laughs> it's um, it it's. It, it lights a fire within me and and I find it kind of all consuming. When I'm listening to this song, it it is a complete turn off from everything else that's happening around me. I am just completely in the moment and it's been having that effect on me for seven years now and, and it, it doesn't seem to slow down. In fact, it only seems to get better, especially when I'm testing out new headphones and I hear new little dibs and dabs that I haven't heard before. It just it, it is an excitement that very few tracks can rival. I wonder then if you're going to be in any way kind of annoyed when you hear the Sherbs track and see how faithfully it sort of keeps to that because it it does have a strange it's a strange feeling listening to a sample and you think oh wow that's that's so similar you know it's not like one well, second. I tell, you, I tell you what, let's give Monty Python the weekly plug. I'll listen to that track. Okay. And then I'll and then we'll come back. Wow. And I'll tell you. Sure. So, uh thank you Monty Python for that musical interlude. I have just listened to The Sherbs we ride tonight. And um, I completely agree with what Johnny was just saying. It is like a, a mashup of two of my absolute favourite songs. Uh, it does sound like Patti Smith or Bruce Springsteen's Because of the Night. And it does have the uh, intro to Contact recurring throughout. Um, I'm, n- I'm not disappointed in Daft Punk. Uh, it's not changed my opinion of Contact. Yeah. But I, you have just literally listened to me uh being introduced to to a song i think i'm gonna really whir out over the next few days mind blown um yeah um and also like if uh i don't know if george mccauley's still listen listening but if he if he wants to help me do a remix of uh we ride tonight contact and because the night then I'd I'd, re- I'd really appreciate any help um, I, I could get with that because that needs to be done. I smell a lawsuit. It's it's so similar. Yes, it, they are they are quite similar. I just I, the, my trepidation was just because when I first heard a 
YouTube clip that broke down every single one of the songs, more or less off Discovery, and showed me that the guitar or the bass or whatever, or this other bit of synthesizer wasn't produced by them originally. Because I, I had quite a naive understanding of what dance music was when I was younger. I mean, bear in mind, I got into Discovery when I was about 13 or something like that. Um yeah. I, I didn't I was sort I felt cheated a little bit, but now I, I don't have that opinion at all because I understand how music is made now and that just because you don't literally pick up a pick and hit the guitar string yourself, it doesn't necessarily mean you're not doing something artistic with it. Um so yeah. Yes, I mean taking a sample and making it your own is an art form within itself. And many people have made careers from doing that exactly i was never a fan of the wither without you take me to the clouds above it's uh, just a bad song mashup well but it you know it, it did really well in club culture and it got you two played in, in clubs yeah. which has uh, always been a bit of an albatross around the next uh they've they've never really been able to break that that scene on their well, own i mean you say despite trying Many I think times. maybe yeah maybe they've not taken it by storm but when I was listening to the Melon remixes the other day there were a lot of people reminiscing about um certain club nights and probably certain substances that they were using uh, when they were listening to those 90s remixes of U2 during the height of the of the Hacienda Manchester dance music wave if you know what I mean so I think there's probably a few a few areas where they did actually make some inroads and maybe there are even people who enjoyed it and didn't even realise it was it was you too. I mean, that perfecto mix hardly sounds like. Uh, still haven't found what I'm looking for, does it? Uh, no, it it doesn't. Um, I, I've not. I'm gonna. I really am gonna have to go and listen to Melon now. And we should do Melon soon for review too, because we've not done that. Do you remember um, how tired and bored you got by the time we did the last sort of b-sides of rarities and remixes thing just think about what you're saying yeah but listening to it i enjoyed it it was the it was the episode that was wrong it wasn't it wasn't the the album well something we'll have to discuss but i think it's time to um wave goodbye to random access memories then yeah um just before we do um it obviously did really well. It won Grammys. It won all sorts of nominations. Went platinum all around the world. Uh, and I all just were? want to all around the world. Where? Around the world, <laughs> around the world. Cool. Um. I so for for albums that long time listeners will know that for albums that mean particularly quite a lot to me, I do like to write a closing paragraph just to sum up my opinion and i uh without fail for all my fans around the world i have done uh done the same Put for the this on everyone so he- here we go there is a vast amount to discover with this album it will take you to places you didn't expect the songs the stories and the lyrics are considered and in parts truly epic but above all else I have no bloody clue how they put it together. It's extraordinarily consistent, forensically detailed, and that is an unbelievable achievement when you consider just how many collaborators contributed towards this album. Random Access Memories, or more specifically Get Lucky, may have been too popular for its own good at the time, but I will not hesitate to state that when I listen to Random Access Memories, I don't just think, I know that I'm listening to a classic. It is one of the best albums of any 
generation. That is my review. Very good. Thank very, you. Very Thank nice you. words. Uh, sweetest thing, Johnny? Sweetest thing on this particular listen would be within. Uh, mine, obviously, contact. Um, <laughs> in brackets, we ride tonight. Uh, and uh, my uh, earn your dirty day, please. It's a kind of... It's a, a bit of a toss-up, really, between between motherboard and touch but i th- i think hand on heart motherboard would be the better one to remove uh i guess so we've got an agreement the motherboard mm-hmm. uh while I, I found it interesting it's it's just uh one of the less substantial songs on the album exactly b-side worthy and also um can i just point out because i didn't know this before i started listening on, I think it was a Japanese issue of the album or a different foreign issue of the album um, outside the UK, you could get another song called Horizon. I think it's called Horizon. Um, you can look for that on YouTube. It's quite nice. It's very Pink Floyd. It's sort of like Daft Punk does Pink Floyd. So it's good. I wouldn't think that it, it deserves to be on the album. It's not one of those hidden gems or inclusions that i think why is that not on the album like say ground beneath her feet for example but it is interesting nonetheless if i'd literally never heard of it before i started looking at this album again yeah well all that's left to say is thank you once again for joining us uh we don't know what we're doing next time around but uh, actually it won't be that you won't have to wait very long because uh obviously we have a lot more free time but yeah we do thank you for joining us again and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Hi there, thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to get in touch, please contact us on facebook.com forward slash review to to you or on soundcloud.com forward slash review to or search for the review to podcast on iTunes. You can also email us at review to contact at gmail.com. Please like, comment and subscribe. Thank you.